The Poetic Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Poetic Podcast with me, Jay Rosanna. In this episode, we will be having cake with Worcestershire poet and founder of the Word Association, Holly Winter Hughes. Hello, welcome back. I have often said that if there is one person responsible for my poetic journey, that would be the ever-fabulous Holly Winter Hughes. It's a beautifully warm day today. We have cake. So let's go through the doors and talk poetry with Holly Winter Hughes. Holly Winter Hughes, hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. It's actually a roasting day today. It is. It's very hot. And you've been a busy bee. I have, yeah. Uh, I'm the founding director of the Word Association, which is a community interest company, and we work with marginalised communities. We run funded writing workshops, so they're all free for participants, and we make books. And you know a lot about this because you've been in our books. <laughs> but um, yeah, today we were um, we were with the guys from Out Together handing out books because they partner with us on our LGBTQ <laughs> anthologies. And I know you'll treat this with humility. But I think you are probably solely responsible for my poetic journey. Yeah. And that was in April 2020. I don't know if you remember. And I sent a little email. Hello, Holly. I'm thinking about writing some poetry. I see you're doing a, a group and I've been going to out together. Would it be all right yeah. if I came along? It's it was okay. In, it was in the pandemic, wasn't it? It was, it was in, in the, the pandemic. It was in the pandemic. But the, why I think the groups work so well, it's not just about being heard, it's about listening to other people's yes. stories. And that's really therapeutic as well. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it works better in a group because we all show empathy. We did an exercise and then you read this poem. It's like, what? And you've just written it like that. Yeah. And it was, and it's, as it's the, with you, it's always this amazing honesty and this delivery and this power you have. And everyone went, where did you find her? Where did she come from? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> She's just like, it was It was really incredible. And from then, you've gone from strength to strength. I think I didn't come to the first one when you said come along. I didn't come because I changed my mind. Because I think you'd sent an email saying, oh. It was... Oh, I remember now. It's yeah. back to me now. Yeah, to all the people who said they wanted to come and didn't come, yeah. please come to the next one. Uh, yes. Because there are a few of you, and actually some of you I don't think ever came, but there are a couple of you. It's the type of thing that you might really want to, but it's terrifying, isn't it? You're meeting a new group, you don't know what you, you know. So it's, yeah. it's that thing of, if you do come, you don't have to share your work. If you do come, no one's judging you. If you do come, you don't have to have any experience of writing and reassuring people. And I think that's what worked for me, was like, what you say, it was listening to other people and going, it's okay to say some of this stuff. Yeah. And I think if I hadn't have gone to that session... I would never have done it. I would have moved on to something else. But you happen to be an incredible poet, and people love hearing your work. No, you do, you do. You're, well, you're <laughs> I'm shaking my head for everybody oh, who does this. <laughs> I get one radio. <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. It's like, um, yeah, so you are. You're, you're a brilliant poet. But you make other people feel like they can do it. Because how I got into poetry was, so I used to do a lot of journalistic stuff. I did blogging. I did travel writing. I did mm-hmm. music reviews. I was a freelance writer, which it sounds more glamorous than it is. Basically, I left university because I was a teenage mum and all these sorts of things. And I didn't get quite as qualified as some as I was expected to because, I, you know, I, I was intelligent. I was middle class and I was well educated. And I should have, you know, gone on this nice career path and ended up with a nice salary. But I ended up going to university and dropping out because I was pregnant. Um, and I put everything into raising my child and... 
So I got to a point in life and I realised, you know, I can write and I love writing. I just approached magazines. I didn't have a journalism degree. I realised it, it feels like you're selling yourself. If you do travel writing, they send you somewhere and you basically, it's not an honest review of that place. We went to places like Marseille where there's this political unrest and this really hmm. dark underbelly of the culture. But we went to the conservatoire and went to the best restaurants and we went to these lovely hotels. It's like, this isn't a real betrayal. And, and you, you know, you've met people on the streets who, and you're whisked away, you're doing, no, 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 don't tell me. Yeah. And it's like, it felt really disingenuous and there's no integrity. So I thought, I had one year, I thought, every month I'm going to do a different genre of writing. I'm going to just throw myself into poetry, script writing, novel writing, short stories, anything I can think of. So January came. I thought maybe poetry, and I went to somewhere called Poets Place in Birmingham, which is still going on. It used to be run by Jasmine Gardosi, who is fantastic. But I went there, and it absolutely felt like home from the start. And it was Jasmine Gardosi, Casey Bailey, who's one of our mentors at the moment, and um, Leon Priestman, um, a friend of us. And they were so supportive of what we did, and they all listened to me. And they, this is what I love about the poetry scene. They, were, they championed me. And Jasmine gave me my first open mic gig, and from that I got my first headlining slots. And then it grew and grew, and I was winning slams. And before you know it, it's like, but I've got this amazing feeling of people are listening to me. I go on stage to talk about what's really important to me, and everyone's listening. And it was so, it's therapeutic, because it makes you feel fantastic. And then I wanted to pass that on to other people. When I set up the CIC, when I set up the Word Association, the Community Interest Company, I was, again, I was in a really bad place. And basically, I'd, we were living, with my ex, we were living in a house that his parents owned, and they'd said, we, he was really not a nice person. Like, you know, it's referenced in my book, but like criminally not nice. Really dark. Uh, we were in the house and his parents said to me, you and your child need to get out of the house. And we had basically had nowhere to live. My child had just come out as trans. And I didn't have enough money to survive. And I was like, what the hell do I do? And a friend of mine said, well, how much money do you need? Do you, need? you could get some money through the lottery if you just in communities. Is there anything you fancy doing? And I thought, you know what? I've always really wanted to do is teach other people to do what I do. And I've got background in teaching English and stuff like this, and, you know, different writing credentials, and with my poetry, and I thought, actually, all you're doing is creating a safe space and listening to people. I don't share my own poetry. I don't say, I won this slam, and I, I headlined here, and I'm... Because it's not about this. Everyone's about... always saying, yeah. would you would you please would you read one that? of your yeah. poems? But I deliberately okay. don't, because it's not about me. It's like, actually, it's about creating this lovely safe space where you all feel you can be heard, yeah. and you listen to one another. And we share everyone's work. And if I started saying, and also, if, if you've written your first poem, you shared it in front of people for the first time, and it's so fragile and tender and it's mm. beautiful and so honest. And then I, I perform something that I have performed a million times and I've done at festivals. It's, you might think, oh, well, yours is better than mine. Or it's not, it's not about that because actually, artistically, yours might be a million times better. But because I'm, I'm going to be more confident because I've done it a million times, I think it kind of takes away from what you guys are about. And also, I've had that platform. I've done that. Mm. And right now, I don't want to perform because because I've got a baby and all of this. I'm m- moving on to more page poetry now, but I love helping other people as well. Yeah. Um, I'm aware now I don't get as much time to write as I used to, which is the irony, isn't it? You put everything into helping Absolutely. other people. And you're like, actually, I need, I need time to do my writing because I do love writing. Just to know that there are other people when you read something and you go, and that resonates with me, gives them just a little boost to go, I'm not all alone here. Yeah. You know, I'm not on my own here. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's and I think that's one of the one of the most positive elements to all of this. But let's yeah. go back to the beginning because we we've we've scooted <laughs> all sorry. the way. <laughs> what I really want to do 
<laughs> is talk about the very first time you wrote a poem. The very first poem. Well, ah, so the very, very first poem, like I remember it was, it was called As Green As, and it was um, our teacher had said, write a simile, so as green as something. Our homework was to write one line, as green as something. And I wrote about 20 <laughs> different similes. <laughs> and then I went to school the next day and read them out, and it became this thing. It was like as green as lichen on a grey stone wall, as green as a pasture with sweet smelling grass. I can remember it like, yeah. already. But it's like, and it went like this. And then my dad, because my dad's a musician, and he was doing, we did this thing at the time called Run Red Fox, which is like this eco, because he's a proper hippie, my dad. And he got a bunch of us kids, there's about 12 of us singing, like a little choir, singing all these songs. And one of the songs we did was <laughs> with my poem and stuff like this. But at school, because I was a very, very shy child, and they made me read this out in assemblies and stuff, and everyone was really amazed. One of my friends, my, my friend's mum, still to this day, would go on about how, oh, Holly, she was so quiet. And then they said, she's going to read a poem, and she walked onto the stage. And I had these long plaits and I flipped them over my shoulder and then suddenly this big voice came out and me and my brother used to write poetry books for my mum and dad every Christmas. So from that one, because I remember a lady, I think she called Louise, she came over and she babysat one night and she bought an electric typewriter, which in the 80s was very, you know, very exciting. And I Everybody up, wanted a little yeah, typewriter in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So I don't know. Like, she, it was a work thing, and she bought this. And I'm like, what? And she let me type up as green as on her electric typewriter. Oh. So yeah, it was like this big thing. So we typed it up, um, and then we made it into a book. So we typed up a few poems and a few things. Some of them are handwritten. And my mum and dad have still got all these, and we called them Beetle books. So Beetle books was like the that was the early bite poetry press. So even when I was about seven or eight. Me and my brother were making poetry books when we were kids. It was ridiculous. And we did it every Christmas. And then as a family, because it was things like um, when I was 14, my mum had a horrible accident and she was paraplegic. So that year, I wrote her um, a book, a thing about being my mum and all that, and that made her cry because it was different. And then when, I, 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 when my brother died, I stopped. That's why I didn't write anymore. So it's like at 17, it's like that's the last one I did a lot of what we're doing now because um yeah so he was 20 and he killed himself so I was right. 17 at the time but um some people think it was because of his sexuality and coming to terms with his sexuality and it was well, well that's another factor so a lot of the work we do is around mental illness and it's about marginalized communities and it's about LGBT community right my whole life I've had that message of if you don't let people talk if you don't let people have a platform I mean that's an absolute worst case scenario yeah but that's why it's so important yes. but obviously that's like you know I used to do music when I was kind of in my teens and 20s, and I thought I was writing songs, and my song lyrics were really long and long-winded, and they weren't snappy enough, and I just thought, that's just poetry, and it's like, I realised when I went to Poets Place, when I thought, right, I'm going to do my month of poetry that's now become eight years of whatever of poetry, of yeah. but you know. Holly and I are going to eat some cake. <laughs> We have got some cake. We got some beautiful fashion cake, and I'm drinking a lovely cup of tea. I can't remember what the tea was. It was the cockerel. Was it the? It's the, the rooster. Isn't it was the rooster. It was the rooster tea. Yeah. Jay so. said to me, I had to pick an animal, and I went with a rooster. I thought it's You say it was a rooster, rooster or camel? I'm glad it was a rooster, a camel, a giraffe, or I think a pig. And I was just like, I was just, will she be? Will she be looking at this thinking? I'm glad are you judging me. I'm not a giraffe. I'm, I'm really short. I'm not a very good giraffe. <laughs> Rubbish giraffe. Right, cake set. Yes, delicious <laughs> well, cake. the first stage of cake is eaten. <laughs> first course of cake. <laughs> a, tea, a tea strum. So, so Holly, so writing poetry as a child. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, 
Publishing your own books at home. <laughs> when I say, but that sounds very grand. <laughs> it was like the first ones are, yeah, the little bits of cut out from a, um, the electric typewriter and like wax crayon drawings. They're really primitive. And then obviously, as we got older, maybe the family computer. And then we had, you yeah. know, we learned a bit about word processing. And they were never brilliant, but they got slightly better every year. But this is a better standard where we are now with her. So, what happened? Where was the first point where you thought. I've got something to say here beyond a bit of fun. Like I've got a message yeah. here. Roughly, when did that happen? I don't know. I think it's when, like that year, when I went to Poets Place on that on that January. Do you know? Do you know Scroobius Pitt? Have you heard of Scroobius Pitt? No, no. Oh, I don't he's know. a spoken word artist, but I loved his stuff, and I was set up to do a music review of his gig in Birmingham. I was really excited, and I sent him this email. And I thought because I had to arrange, you know, the passes or whatever, and I was thinking. Oh god, but he's this amazing, brilliant creative. I don't want him to think I'm a journalist. I want him to, you know, he's cool and creative. So I wrote him this email basically saying, I'm doing this music reviews, but I think it's all a load. <laughs> you know, I don't like it. It's all, you know, I feel like a seller basically. And I wrote this really passionate email, and then he sent an email back saying, Yeah, you've got the gig, gig passes, you're on the list, blah, blah, blah. But also, he wasn't like, You wrote, by the way, you write really well. But I wrote this ranty poem about basically whoring myself out to do these. I was, I was making a living as a writer, but I, it wasn't it wasn't my story. And then when it, I went to the poet's place in Birmingham, I shared this this. It was called Hacked Off. It's about being a hack writer <laughs> as well. Yes, yeah. it was all. So I found this whole scene in Birmingham, this spoken word scene, where people stood on stage and spoke their truth. And afterwards, people would say that was really moving. That was really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And they feel so empowered, and it's just something about standing on stage with every single person, whether there's ten people or some of the nights of Burma, there'd be a hundred people, and they're listening to every word you say, and it's such a good feeling. Do you remember the first time when you stood in front of a group of people? I feel like I had an easier ride than most because I, I, I read poems through school, but I used to do a lot in bands, so being behind a mic was, was didn't feel like too gotcha. much. So yeah, like even in my twenties, say like so my dad's a musician, so when we were kids, we did these little band things. Then me and my brother were in bands growing up, and then right through my twenties, I was in like a trip hop band um, called Trap Floors and a sort of more rockabilly band called Dirty Oyster Cabaret. And we used to like, so okay. I, I was fronting bands. I used to do guest vocals for people, and all sorts of stuff. So for me to stand up on stage and sing, or be behind a mic, or act, I've done bits of acting, I did things like Hamlet, we did like a seven cast Hamlet a few years ago, and things like this, I'm, I really don't mind it. So for some people, going on stage and standing behind a mic and saying anything is like, what? And also I did get loads of promotions, so I used to book bands, um, so I would announce everyone, and then step off stage. So standing on stage and talking is not intimidating for me at all. But my very first one, that was at Opus Club, that was, so Jasmine Gardosi booked it. She's the person who's running Poets Place. She said, come do this event. So I went along, did my, my ranty hack poem. <laughs> um, but the first one, I completely forgotten this. It was to music. And I only remember it because the other day we were at Library Poetry Festival. It, I thought, God, that was the first thing I, it was, it was to music, my first day for mine. So this is ridiculous hack poem that keeps changing pace and rhythm. And I had a whole band behind me doing it. But also, I can remember it was a vintage night, and I won a prize for being the most for being vintage dressed up. But I always dress vintage, so it was completely. So I've always got a slight vintage vibe when I say so. That felt like a bit of a cheat. But I remember afterwards, Jasmine said to me, "She said, I thought it was your first time. You must have done that before. That is not the first time you." And I said, "Well, no, because I've done this in 
music and stuff. It's just like, yeah, but this is your first time poetry. Just like own it. This is like you're allowed to be pleased that you did really well. Where are you on the scale of just get up and read the poem to try and create that connection with the audience beforehand? Whenever I used to do sets, I would I would never announce myself or say anything first because uh, the first poem I used to always do was my Russia poem because it's my like my confident poem. I knew I could perform it well. I knew the audience liked it, and it because. I think if a poem rhymes, it grabs the audience quicker. It can be very well written, but a bit meandering. If it's if it's subtle, um, and it doesn't rhyme. You don't you don't grab them. So you need something. I think you start the set with something that grabs them. So I go on stage, and I've got a nice voice. I, you're meant to be a bit regional. You're meant to be a bit edgy. You're meant to be a bit rough. So I turn on. I've got a pretty dress, and I'm I'm very nicely spoken. And they and they they're going to think, oh god, she's going to talk about brushing her horse and <laughs> I don't know sunrises and they're, they're they're tuning out already they think oh yeah whatever yeah. so I'd go and say I wouldn't announce myself saying anything but I'd go straight in bam and they'd all go oh we weren't expecting that and I love I loved it you could actually sit and people said to me afterwards I wasn't expecting that from you and I, and I'm like yeah I kind of like that quite often when I get up and do um, a thing people are expecting me to do LGBT poetry which yeah. I do do <laughs> I do, do not exclusively though. But I no. don't. I don't do one. So when when I did that, um, when I did that, hell hath been warned. Bowen, people were just like, I totally did not expect you to come out and go. What what just happened? It's the same thing. It's got a very lovely. But you've got the same thing going on. It's the same lovely soft voice, and people think, oh yeah, she's going to do some lovely soft tones about lovely things, tea and cake, and this is going to be. Well, you might get proud about tea and cake, but you also do really hard hitting stuff. Yeah, it's that thing, isn't it? It's that. If you're feminine, you've got long hair and exactly. a nice dress, and you know you've done your nails, and you've got a lovely soft voice. People think, "Oh yeah, they're going to talk about nice soft things." So yes. I, I'd go up there and go bam. But I've seen so many people throw it away because they go up and they apologise or they say thank you as soon as the poem's finished. Because sometimes they do a really powerful poem and the audience go whoa, but the, the person on stage is thinking, "Oh, they're not clapping, they don't see the end." So they go thank you, thank you, and it's like, no, no, just let's take a step back. But that that comes with time, and it comes with confidence. It and does. It's really hard to... I think when you're on stage, time is absolutely slowed down. So you, if you take a breath in before you start, for you it feels like I'm taking like two minutes. They're going to think, what's get, get on with it, woman. But actually, for the audience, they haven't even... You know, exactly. it's, it's a second, isn't it? It's, yes. so, and that, that makes all the difference because you centre yourself. And you if you breathe properly, your voice is different, you're more centred, you're more... you know. So When I'm on stage doing this thing... I'm really in a meeting, okay? <laughs> I'm in a meeting, so I am not there on the stage. And I'm I'm with an editor here and a producer here, and we're rewriting the poem quite often as we're performing. Does that resonate? I think, no, I don't know. Doesn't it? I love that you do this, because I'd be like, get out of my head, you yes, people, leave me on yes. Actually, by performance, you do, because you realise a word fits better, don't you? Yes. I think, even when I used to write articles, I'd read them aloud, because it flowed, you could check the flow yes. by reading it aloud. I'm better now. I used to only like poems once I'd perform them to an audience, and if they land nicely and they you get good response, I think, oh, it's a good poem then. And if people didn't respond, I would just wouldn't perform it again. So yeah. you'd, you'd look at it again in a few months and think, actually, maybe the audience didn't get it, or maybe they did, and they were... That's the other thing. If you do something that's really powerful, the audience aren't going to go, yay, wonderful, oh, that's lovely, you've exactly. for a horrible time. They don't do it. They go, whoa. And also, sometimes people don't know how to talk about this stuff. Because a lot of people say to me, I did this really this really personal poem. I, I really liked it. I thought it was really my best piece. 
and the audience just didn't give me any feedback. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that last moment as well. So yeah, that, that last... gets me back to, to like so you you took the breath, you've you've Don't spoken, have... you've done your poem, yeah. and there's a millennia of a second <laughs> where you're going, Do they know I've finished? I think I've I've definitely had times where people haven't applauded because they didn't realise, or when I've paused too long and I'm about to bring out the the final verse and then they start clapping and you're like, No, I'm still going and you're like, Oh for God's sake. It doesn't really matter. Hmm. And it doesn't mean your poem is terrible. It just means they don't know how it ends, do they? No. It's not their fault. And it's like I like that like, killer last line, so I, I like to think that it's clear where the end is. Yes. But also you can really ham it up and you can with your gestures or with your you can make it whether you look away or you look down or you you know, you put your book down if you've got a book. Or I, also, I gesticulate a lot when I'm talking, but I do it when I'm performing. I, that's why I prefer to do it without a book because I'll gesticulate. So I think they know because you you've changed your body language, and that's a different with the page thing. So if if we went to an open mic tonight and we both perform a poem, and people applaud and they come up to us in the bar and go, "Oh, we love that one," and we can say to each other, "Oh, you're really good and I love this," and "Oh, you're so confident and blah blah blah," but then we could the same we could sit here and write a poem and send it off to a magazine. And we'd hear nothing back. Nothing back. Or we'd get a rejection, or we don't know why. Or they might accept it, but they don't say... They just say, yeah, we'll publish it in the next issue. They don't say, we love that line, or... And it's... So it feels like a... It's almost like a... It's, there's this different bravery, because everyone thinks performance is a brave thing. But now I'm at a place, I think, maybe... Because I've never... I've done a little bit in the early days, but I didn't really have to submit heart. People come to me and say, can you send me some of your poems? Or it was that sort of thing. Yeah, but now I'm thinking, I quite like to get into more of the journals. I'd like to do more of that. Actually, it's quite terrifying. <laughs> it's a different so, terrifying. I've often said, if yeah. you look at the poems that I write, some of them are quite loose because I like to leave spaces where I can not ad-lib, but you can explore while you're performing the yeah, poem. But it. then when you come to then look at it on a page, you go... That probably makes no sense at all <laughs> because true, it hasn't yeah. got the context of, of where you're reading true. it. Actually, again, thinking about editing, when I used to perform stuff, I wasn't deliberately swearing to shock people. If the audience like bristle at the, at the first word, you think, I oh, better not swear in front of these guys again because they really don't like it. And there's certain things like that, or I, I think I have dropped verses because, well, sometimes you think guys go on too long, or, but actually, they might just be a quiet, more polite audience. I remember going to one. one um, thing I was at Kitchen Garden Cafe and I felt absolutely bombed. I thought, God, you feel like you're doing you're doing loads of gigs and you feel like you're doing really well. And people love your work. And I was really, you know, mm. really enthusiastic, and everyone was really quiet. Do do we need that feedback? We, we, I, I think we do. Don't I think we do. I, I, I think we do. How did you make that step from being a poet to being a published poet to then going? I'm going to pass this on to. I'm going to help people through the workshops. How did that step happen? When we look at facilitators, we want to engage with, with the Word Association. We look for people who have some history of success on the page. So they've got a publication out. Some of them have got public, most of them have got publications with lots of different publishers. So that's like, it feels like validation from lots of different, lots of different people saying, yeah, we think you're good enough. They've got performance history, so they've headlined lots of events. It's not just you've headlined one event or it's they keep getting booked to headline. They've won multiple slams if, they, if they're if they into slams. Some people don't like slams, so yeah. if you've never entered a slam, it's fine. But, but also, we obviously, on, on that, we, we make sure we get people who are really lovely people as well and really decent people. And obviously, you know, because of the work we do, we look at things like um, underrepresented 
communities and things like that. So, but that's another aspect. But so I think it's that thing of thinking, you know, if you do get booked to headline and you do win slams and you've had some stuff published, you know, some people out there outside your own little family think actually you're all right what you do. Um, I think that's the thing. I was always very careful not to say I'm going to teach you about poetry. I am. I am. Gonna, I am a poetry teacher because. Because I taught English as a second language, as a lecturer of English for Cambridge um, College, and was six point four well, teaching English as a second language and things like this. And I did poetry in youth centres, so it kind of it all kind of led to this. And because I've got a journalistic background and I've got non-fiction books, and I had a kids book I did, I go through a children's book for people and things like that. So I've done lots of creative writing things that kind of add to your CV. It's about fulfilment, isn't it? It's about passing on what you do. And what what do you really want to do? What makes if you've lost everything and hit rock bottom? Mm. It's been, some people would say this is not a good time to start up a business, is it? <laughs> it's probably a good time to get your job in the local co-op or whatever. But you've got nothing to lose. The first year we literally just did words to live by. We did one course, at ten or twelve weeks. I'm starting in September to do a, a masters in creative writing for therapeutic purposes. So basically, in a couple of years or three years. You know, it's like I have a master's in what I do now. So I'll be wow. kind of delving into my creative practice and delving into this this stream of work. So it's kind of because type of thing you think I love this. Can you be qualified in it? Is it a thing? Are we just creating nice safe spaces for people to be authentically themselves? But I'm just going to learn more resources, more skills. That's so interesting because when you talk about setting up the safe space for people to sort of discover their story, express their story. Yeah. There's always that risk, isn't there, that the things get unlocked. Yeah. And and share things that they probably didn't weren't expecting. Um, yeah. I know, I did that. Yeah, <laughs> I've done it. that more than once yeah. in, in, in your workshop. Yeah. And and it's just I think that would is that what's driving the wanting to do the master is it's just this like is it. I've yeah. created this space now or you know I feel like that. I feel and <laughs> Certain things, like we've talked um, to people like Wes, let's say West Mercia, Rape and Sexual Abuse Support Centre, mm-hmm. and people like that. It's like, if we did do work with survivors of sexual abuse, we definitely need backup support. And I've done some work with like Joy Project through Worcester Community Trust, and it's similar, it's um, you know, survivors of domestic abuse and sexual violence. It's things like that that we often need a backup. And you think, I've done things like counselling skills courses and things like this, so I've got some experience, but you think... Yeah, beyond that safe space, what else can we bring? Do we need to be qualified on that level that we can really support everybody? And it's nice to have that platform. And I think like most of the people who are probably listening to this, who've been to your sessions, would probably want to say thank you for for that. I certainly would because, like I say, you know, we deal with a lot of complex things going on, yeah. and it's only when we when we write the first word that we realise how deep some of this stuff happens, and then. Yeah. You can't stop writing sometimes, and it, and, it, and, it. and having put it there and shared it, and realizing that other people are not too dissimilar to yourself, it's like it's just a really it's a really good not only bonding opportunity, but it's a good sharing and learning opportunity to to go. It's okay not to be okay. Yeah, it seems a bit it. of a cliche, but I think no. that's true. And when we do the exercises, we're really careful. Like I offer people different prompts. There'll be three different prompts. And there's always kind of like a space, if you wanted to take it to something that was really personal, you could. But you could also write about something really mundane. Yeah. You could write about, if I say, like, we're going to write about colour, you could, like, that could be, you write about the colour you're wearing when your husband died, or it could be your colour, just colour, it 
could be the colour yellow, which makes you yeah. think of sunshine and lemon meringue pie. It's like, you take it however you want to go, don't you? I remember one of the first poems from a writing prompt that you did that I still use when I'm doing talk, when I'm still doing talks today. Oh, really? And it's called <laughs> Hot Potato. And it's <gasps> I'm a Potato. Yes! Because I, I didn't really want... I, I didn't really know if I'd feel comfortable sharing, like, my story. I thought, plus I'd be a bit cheeky and just go, <laughs> let's let's just see let's just see how welcoming this group is. And then just yeah. go, I'm going to write about a potato who's not accepted <laughs> by all the hate tomatoes. So are you still writing now? This is a big thing. So <laughs> when we set up the Word Association, that was, I think we've done three, this must be our fourth year now. But obviously a lot of it has been in the pandemic. And then we've had a baby. And so I, I'm i the worst for, I don't get time. So much of my time and energy goes into goes outwards. Um, and it's only recently I came up with a solution because I was thinking I don't get time to write. And it's also, it's, it's like practice what you preach. And I know for everyone's mental health, it's really good that we write. It's mm. such a brilliant thing. And I physically don't get time to do it myself. So what I've realised, though, is if I'm taking my daughter for a walk or if I just have one line that I need to chip away, I will literally work on a line at a time. Yeah. Now, I used to hate writing on my phone. I used to, everything was handwritten. And, but it's like, practically, you've got to find the notebook, you've got to find the pen, you up high because you're an 80-month-old. It's not going to happen, yeah. is it? So I've got a folder on my phone that's like, it's called something like skeletal sketches or something. It's like little fragments of poems and ideas that have just... I know the rough shape of them and what I want to say, and it all comes out, and I capture them there. I've got a second folder, which is edited poems, and I just chip away at them, and I, I do it on my phone, and I'll think about, you know, so if I get a few minutes, things like, we waste so much time, things like scrolling Facebook, or I don't know when we're knackered, yeah. we just, you know, you just... TikTok, four hours, four hours of bedtime. This is it, yeah. <laughs> it's like, actually, do you need to do that? So it's thinking, okay, I've got 10, 15 minutes now, I could edit my poems, I could sit with them, I could think about that word. So I'm kind of building poems really slowly, but okay. um, it's, yeah, it's coming out and I'm trying to get more time, I'm, tr- I'm consciously making more time for myself. But I realised I'm not going to get three, four hour blocks, because before I used to, it was when my eldest daughter was in her teens, when I did a lot more poetry, it was stuff like, I'd go to poem with her, she'd go off to see friends and I'd sit in a cafe for a few hours, or we'd go to Worcester and she'd be off with her friends and I'd get a few hours in a cafe. And it's, or often it'll be things like I'll be driving somewhere and I'd, I'd something about motion really helps yes, my, especially with rhythm. That. Do you have that? It's, I do yeah, have that, yeah. It's great, isn't it? So you'd be driving somewhere and you have to pull over to write it all down because you're trying to keep it in your head. Yeah. But now, if I'm doing that, I've got a baby in the back and I've got some kids' music CD going on. It's distracting. <laughs> you've got all these, yeah, you've yeah, got so all these other things to think there's about. There's too much else. But I've found that actually, yeah, do a line a day, do edit, you know, little bits, but... So Crossing the Line, my book, was it was based on very raw stuff, very emotional stuff, a lot of my performance stuff, which, is, like you were saying, you know, I don't know how it translates to page. Is it yes. too performancey? But my other stuff feels quite pagey, and I've written stuff. Yeah, I'm writing at the moment about my, my daughter, so her being young, and it's about life, and it's about the beginnings and the start of stuff. And the, uh, on my mind, right, this be, my dad's recently diagnosed with cancer, so that's on my mind. So it's about coming to terms with your parents' mortality is very much on my mind. So I've got these two things that I'm writing about at the moment which are quite different to my other stuff. So that's where I am. But I'm, yeah, chipping away on my... <laughs> so would you say you're a, are you a critical self-editor? 
what I tend to do when I write a poem, sometimes I have a line. When I used to drive and do it that way, I would have a line and I'd build it line by line and rhythm by rhythm and I'd kind of write it as I went, but it wouldn't just all come out in one go. I'd have to think about it and what's the next line. And also, you've got to keep it in your head so you keep repeating the first mm. lines and you build it slowly, don't you? But nowadays, I'll think, this is what I want to say and these are the images I'm going to use and I'll write it all out and then I'll think, oh, maybe is the imagery where I want it to be or do I want more of this? And I'll sit and tweak it and then okay. suddenly it clicks. It takes me a long time. It's a long process. So I've got your book here and I know this was written at a different time with a different yes. life experience. But I was hoping that you would read your blank canvas because I yeah. think I, I read that and I think that is something that a lot of people can associate to. Yeah. So I was wondering I if you way. would kindly read this for us. I'll read that. Okay. This one's called Blank Canvas. Next week is a blank canvas. I want to thread it with your eyelashes, the collision where our smiles meet, the smudge of your fingerprints, warm it with your breath and push the imprint of your story into each fibre. Soak it in your sex and substance, capture the tears and the delicious rip of your laughter. I want it streaked with every colour of you, yet my gallery is crammed with portraits that I recognise with shut eyes. There is no room for new. That doesn't stop me picturing you. Wow. See, why aren't you outperforming? Why aren't you outperforming? Absolutely beautiful. I'll come back to it. And so beautifully read. And I do. And thank you for doing that. I do appreciate that that was written at a different time. But no, it's fine. But do you find that it's like you write something that's really important then, and then once it's done, I've done my expression, I've got it out. I feel like. Oh, this is oh, this is old emotion. Let's not let's move on to the next bit. I do, but then people want to hear your older stuff. Yes, it's very hard. I think as an artist, in any respect, you have to. And I say this to, um, like to our lot, the the, the word association lot, when they do open mics and stuff, they go, "Oh, but I did that one last time." And it's like people want to hear the same. People want to hear your greatest hits. Yes, people, you could perform the same poem five times in five different ways, and every time we'll all get something new from it. Yeah, so. It's like when we do our mentoring celebration next week, it's like if you perform poems I've heard before, I'm not going to go, oh God, I've heard this, Jay, give me something new. Yes. It'll be like, I'll get, it would be, you're performing differently because of recent events and because you're developing your work and all this. But also, I love your poems. I want to hear them again. I want to hear them in your voice. It's, and I want to hear them in that It's like moment. going to a concert. It is completely, isn't it? It's like, so, yeah. yeah, I'm keen to hear your new stuff. But I yeah, want to hear, I want to hear the stuff I like. And <laughs> you know. stuff. Yeah, yeah. and, we're, and we're, we know what's coming up and it's all that, isn't it? Yeah. And also, every time it's different. But I think it, stuff like this, when you start performing poetry, you think, oh, no one's going to want to hear this. It's like, just because you know it, just because you know where the poem's going, half the audience won't have ever heard it. And if, Four people have heard it before. They'll be really happy to hear it again. Yeah. It's just one of those. But it's giving yourself permission, isn't it? It's like it saying, is. I'm allowed to perform this again. And people actually like hearing it again. So that's good. It yeah. is. I, I'm terrible for changing the lines. So I, I <laughs> so honestly, sometimes I don't know where the poem's going. Well, that's even more exciting. That's so <laughs> you, can take, like, you can take a poem, like hot potato or whatever, and it's yeah. just like, depending on where you are or what you're doing, it's loose enough of a framework that you can just go and have a bit of fun with it or, yeah, or go and that's be quite it. serious about it or, yeah. you know, depending on what you're doing. I love yeah. that. It's yeah, depending on the audience and where you are and all that yeah. stuff. But it's, it's hard, it's though. Amazing. Like, where are you on reading as opposed to casting it to me? Because I find when it's cast to memory, it's much harder to 
to um, have fun with it unless you keep it as a framework rather than a finished poem. Do you know what I mean? It's really hard, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Where I've, are you? That's like I think rhyming stuff is easier, and stuff with a strong rhythm is easier to remember. Yes. But what? Because I gesticulate anyway. What I used to do is I'd remember so. I naturally would gesture if, say, every time my hand would be there and it would remind me of the next word. It's almost like a dance, but my, I almost like you know, you learn your movements, but you, I found that my hands were doing certain things at certain lines, yes. and that would trigger the next line. So I knew it. But I, again, this is the thing where you need time, don't you? It's not just time to write the material, but there's a point where I thought oh, you have to memorize it, you have to learn it because you perform. I don't, you want people want to see your eyes, and you want to connect with the audience, and get your hands free. And if I've got a book, I feel restricted, but it's not, you can't realistically do that every time. Some people just can't remember poems. If they try to, they'll be nervous. They won't have the same performance. And you can perform really well from a book. And also, once you've got your book, it's got your name on, if you go on stage with a nice book, people go, oh, Jay's got a book, I could buy Jay's book. And it's yeah. promoting yourself. And it looks good, and it looks good in the pictures and all of that stuff. And I've known so many people, like, absolutely beat themselves up because they can't remember their poems. Especially as we get older... It's not just like memory fades. It's like our lives are so full. Who has the time to remember all these poems? Hmm. And you might have just written something and you want to share it with that audience that night. It might be in response to current affairs or something that's going on in your life and you really want to read it that night. You're not going to have time to memorise it. Yeah. And if you try to, you might mess it up. So I think if if it feels good for you, just go with what's right because people read really well from a book. People perform really well. But you just... As long as you're comfortable, because if you, mm. you can't, yeah, you've got to go with what's right. I think that's why I've put off doing a book, because I, I think it's, I think there's like this presence on the page, and it has to look, it has to look like something you want to read, uh, yeah. and then you've got it, and then hopefully when you go to the event, because you said earlier when you go to events, people go, where can I see your stuff? We've got a yeah, book, and, and you don't know. But then yeah. there's the presence in the performance, yeah. and I think my. Like my thing is, I'd be ever so worried that when I'm performing the po the poem, is people are going to be going, hang on, that's not the line. That's you. Like you're not. That's, that's not the poem that you. That's not the poem you've written here. And you know, and just start heckling me and just going. I think you'll find that that's the line. Is that you hate the hate tomatoes? That's where you should be. So no, it's just like no one's going to be sat there reading along with the book, going, wait a minute, James. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. minute. Wait a minute. Come on. Or what you could do, you could actually have a little disclaimer saying, you know, when I when I perform live, um, I tend every performance is different, which is yeah. why it gives them a reason to come and see you live as well and see multiple friends live. That every time it's different, but you've captured them in the book where they were at that moment. But they are always evolving, and that's how you, that's how you work, and that's yeah. really exciting. But you could put things like QR codes in the book that link to your videos, and people could see your performance as part of. Yes, yeah, so and doing it so that way. It's yeah. it's not just your because your performance is such a strong part of what you do. We could you know make it all one thing. I think that'd be amazing because yeah. it's making well, sure it's it, more interactive, isn't it? It's not just page poetry. It's exactly it's, it's bringing in that performance yeah, and make, encouraging right. people that okay, this is just a record of because some people they love your performance. They want a record of what they saw just to go home and say yes. They might never read it. They might just. They just know that they're those poems that they loved, and they'll just keep visiting them on YouTube. So yeah, it's like eat. looking through the little booklet that comes with a CD. It is completely. <laughs> Show my age there. No, I was, was going to say record then for a minute. <laughs> it's better on a record. The listeners are probably going to go, "What's a record? <laughs> <laughs> a vinyl, a vinyl record." But you know, you you want to hold it's it, and you want to take that, yeah. mem that that memorable thing. So, yeah. 
So obviously that book was written. When was that book? When was that this book? This is two thousand and nineteen. Honestly, which okay. isn't actually that long ago, is it? Well, but if in, you, when you consider lockdown changed. and everything yeah. that's happened, it, it feels like a lifetime. It's, it's absolutely lifetime, and we've turned our lives around, and everything's <clears> very different. And it's like my natural question is: Yeah, how do you feel about sharing some of? I can something yeah, do you want something recent? Yeah. So this one is about um, this is about um, birth. Really, it's called transformation. She is as water. She seeps to my very edges, takes hold and splits me in two. Flows from me in a tidal exhale as I release a roar borrowed from aeons of ocean. My still moon mound of belly begins its retreat as waters break against a drift and pull. She is as water. Her bud-tight lips blossom at the first suck of air, breasts become rock as rich as rivers. Her skin is earth-smeared and mother-red, now she carries me beyond her unblinking eyes. I trace new beginnings into drenched fur, with searching fingertips, lap against her curiosity, rough-tongued and diligent, bringing warmth. We are ready to begin. A newness throbs at the scorch of her origins, where a prickle at the first sign of danger. She is her own being now. She is water. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Wow, that is such a visceral imagery of that is just like you can feel it you know just flowing through you oh, oh thank, thank you so you. much for sharing that no pleasure but yeah that was beautiful but, so yeah. where do people find you like if they, people wanted to see your stuff where would people go yeah so i've got my website so it's hollywinterhues.com okay yeah i think there's a few of my videos on there and books and stuff like that and it's up there it says about what we do with the word association as well and the word association website is it's got little dashes in the middle. It's the dash word dash association dot com. That's been absolutely delightful. Hollywood T Hughes, thank you very much. Thank you, Jay. Right, where's that cake? <laughs> <laughs> and with that, thank you so much for joining me on this poetic podcast. You can also find my poetry videos on YouTube and TikTok if you search for me, Jay Rosanna. And I do hope you will join me here again. My name is Jay Rosanna, and this has been The Poetic Podcast. <laughs>